This show is brought to you by listeners and viewers like you. EvanX.com Tesla Accessories, our TeslaOwnersOnline.com community, and our Patreon supporters at Patreon.com slash TeslaOwnersOnline. Well, welcome everybody to another episode of the Tesla Owners Online Show. I'm your host, Trevor Page. We are joined by our good friends, Eric and Ian, and a special guest tonight. We have Kyle Connor from Outer Spec Motoring. How you been, Kyle? Yeah, great. Thanks so much for having me on. It'll be fun to talk cars with you guys. Yes, absolutely. Um, I thought I'd bring Kyle on. Uh, Listen, there's not a lot of Tesla news, so we're going to kind of skip the Tesla stuff. We'll get into uh, viewer and listener questions a little bit later in the show. But I wanted to bring Kyle on because Kyle just got done an epic road trip. And I'm sure he's got lots of stories. I got a bunch of questions and stuff. And of course, you guys submitted a bunch of questions on Twitter today because I told everybody that Kyle was going to come on. So if you had any good questions for him, um, we'll do that. Um, I also wanted to spend a little time talk about the Lucid Motors Air car that was officially unveiled yesterday. So I thought we'd uh, maybe start with that and uh, just riff on that a little bit. Now, Kyle, I mean, you, you've had an opportunity to actually be in the car and check it out in, in person. Um, I watched a reveal yesterday, and I remember when they did the soft reveal back, I think it was late in 2016. Um, I wasn't there, but I, you know, I, I saw quite a bit of um, a footage and internet traffic on it. Beautiful car. Um, again, as a startup, it's just like, okay, are these guys going to survive? Because, you know, here we are, fire day future, and they still haven't seen anything yet. So anyways, um, so I thought it would start with you, Kyle, and just give us some thoughts and stuff, because, um, you know, it's all the talk of the town right now, because here we are, we got a, a proper contender uh, that could compete against Tesla finally. So what are your thoughts? Yeah, well, well you're absolutely right. What, what Lucid's done is they have just come and hit the numbers game in every category. They're at more range, matching acceleration, I think a very reasonable price point given the specs on the car uh, and what they're attending. So basically um, for a lot of people, they'd never heard of Lucid. This is the first time they're hearing about it. So now out of the blue, what? This car can go farther than a Model S? Uh, so, so what you have here is you have head of company is, is Peter Rawlinson, who was chief engineer on Model S. Uh, you have a, a basically a whole engineering uh, a crew of people that are pretty much ex-Tesla. You have a couple ex-Audi guys, ex-BMW, but real good EV top quality talent. Um, they have a, uh, a history of making batteries for Formula E, and so they'll they have contracts. I think for the next 10 years as well. And the reason Formula E can run on a single charge on one vehicle now, they used to have to swap cars halfway through the race. So they have race proven packs, uh, really some of the best stuff out there, super high voltage packs. I think their Formula E packs are 950 volts, somewhere around there. Basically, of course, higher voltage, more efficiency, less current, less heat loss. Uh, and they've transferred that over to the air as well. The air is a 924 volt nominal battery pack system architecture, and that's for the large battery, which is 113 kilowatt hours, which isn't much, but that thing will do four and a half miles per kilowatt hour, which gives you 517 miles of range, which is mind blowing range. What that really means to me is ripping down the highway, you're gonna be probably 380, 390, um, and then you'll plug into a, Electrify America charging station, barring that it works, and you'll <laughs> get 300 kilowatt or more charging. So they really have this thing figured out. Uh, I think Electrify America needs to get their button gear, get the station reliability uh, up and going for these guys. 
And uh, I've been pushing them hard this week on that. We had a big story, sort of negative on EA. Um, but but I think it's all for the better for Maki, Rivian, and this to come out for higher station reliability. So basically, all in all, Lucid, they're hitting the nail on the head. If you're going to launch an EV startup, this is how you do it. And uh, it's finally some real competition to a Tesla. Yeah. I would tend to agree with you. Now, I know there's been a lot of traffic on the internet, people saying, well, the, you know, people are looking at a Model S, now they're going to be looking at a Lucid. Um, is it going to kill Model S sales and stuff? I think in a lot of ways, you've you got to really separate the two cars. Model S is a premium sedan. It's not a luxury car. Um, anybody who looks at the Lucid, they spent an enormous amount of time on the interior on that car. And when I look at that car and I go, man, I wish the Model S was just as nice. <laughs> If anything, it hopefully will push Tesla in that direction to finally really up their game on the interior on the Model S. I, I'm okay with the way the Model 3 is. I mean, it's a cheaper car. The simplicity works for that type of vehicle. I mean, yeah, the, anything could be improved. But the Model S is just one of those cars you get in it and you go, spent how much money for this thing? And it really does need a better interior. Um, we've known for some time because of some leaks and stuff that it was something that was on Tesla's roadmap now i think uh because of the model 3 ramp up and they needed so much engineering and talent taken away from different projects i think it was kind of shelved but i think it's going to happen i mean battery day is coming the plaid model s what better opportunity to drop a new interior on everything so anyways i'm not worried about that i think it's going to happen the big question is like how much better is the quality of the interior parts really going to be so anyways we'll see what transpires there I'm, I'm curious about the battery situation because, you know, uh, I know this as well as you do. A bunch of ex-Tesla engineers, they brought a bunch of people over. It's interesting, the battery pack's using the kind of same module type of layout system as the Model S compared to, look at the Model 3, which is four modules, um, different voltage setup and different, you know, parallel and series and stuff. But they're doing a lot of the same stuff on, on this Lucid Air battery pack. Now, it is sculpted, so they've got you know, the, the modules arrange in a different fashion and stuff. But um, my understanding, they're using a 2170 format cell, not the 18650. That just gives them, you know, um, I think the cooling system's probably very similar to what Tesla did. I mean, you don't re-engineer a battery pack in a year. So obviously this has been something that's been in the works for a number of years. I've been working on this car for, what, five years now, something like that. So Electrify America. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right about, sorry, go, go no, right no, ahead. No, 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 go ahead. Interrupt you. No, no, please. Uh, so the, the battery pack architecture, the reason that they're using these smaller uh, brick packs rather than the four modules like Model 3 is is purely for, for mass manufacturing across multiple platforms. So they're uh, going to be making these battery packs, of course, for air, for their gravity SUV, but they'll also be outsourcing their technology to other OEMs uh, for various scale-sized products. And if you have a super large module, really, there's not much that's benefit true. in doing that. Of course, a little complexity that's easier, but it's better just to have smaller packs, smaller bricks that you can arrange in different places for different applications. Yeah, you make an absolutely good point about that, because if you look at the Model 3, I think the battery in the Model 3 is more like kind of a bespoke battery just for that car. It's not really an architecture that's expandable. You're absolutely right. The modules have lend themselves very well. They're not the only ones doing it. If you look at what uh, Faraday Future did you know, with their battery strings and stuff and the MEB platform from... Uh, uh, Volkswagen, they're all doing the same thing, right? They can stretch it because they're just, they're individualized modules and stuff. So there's certainly some benefits there. Complexity, well, we'll see what transpires. I mean, the battery pack in Model 3 has been super solid. I mean, it's it's bulletproof practically. I mean, Model S and S X batteries have suffered their own things, but lately it's been pretty good. 
Um, any thoughts on the ADAS system? I want, I, they didn't talk too much about the, now when, when we say ADAS, we're talking about advanced driver assistance systems, the autopilots of the world. Um, what are they calling theirs again? Do they have a name formally for it? Oh, I love this. I can't wait till we compile all the fun names of driver assistance <laughs> systems now, and we look back in 30 or 40 years. I was trying to remember the name, but GM used to call automatic headlights Twilight Sentinel. And now we yeah. just, you know, they're automatic headlights. So I can't wait till we look back at all these names, autopilot, pro pilot, pilot assist, Lucid calls it dream drive. And uh, yeah, so so their plan for, for driver assistance, uh, my best understanding is they're outsourcing their LIDAR, radar. Basically, I think they have like 32 sensors. They couldn't figure out what they wanted. So they just put you know, a whole bunch of everything on there and uh you know it's all from bosch or continental or tier one suppliers that'll put it in the car and then they're going to probably leverage either the best uh available off the shelf driver assistance software from someone else and integrate it into their loop themselves i think that's the least expensive way of doing it you have all these people that are working really hard already on driver assistance tech don't drown your company down with it uh, I think if you're starting one up, I'd rather see them just go buy it from yeah. someone because at the end of the day, that's how we're all going to operate in the future. We'll just buy it from whoever's best and throw it in everything. I would tend to agree with you with that. Um, for those of you who are not aware, uh, Lucid is using LiDAR in their systems. They haven't demonstrated their self-drive quite yet. I mean, I mean, they did demonstrate part of it when they had the soft launch back in 2016 or whatever but anyways it wasn't finished uh, things have come a long ways they didn't talk about what computer systems they're using uh, if you look at any of the other manufacturers out there who are doing you know the zooks of the world and stuff uh, i mean their trunks are just full of computers so the how much miniaturization have they been able to do i mean tesla's doing something on their own they're going very vertical on that on that front are they gonna go to nvidia's drive px3 or 4 or whatever the heck they're using at that point. So anyways, little little shy on some of those details, but I, I think that they're probably not ready to talk about that quite yet. Um, some other interesting thing, things about the car. I mean, I, I've noticed a lot of people were saying, oh, it's a rather large car. It has an executive back seat. Those reclining back seats are like, that's the cat's, you know what. <laughs> uh, did you have a chance to sit in the back? Those seats are really nice. Right. So I, I've only sat in the executive seats in the rear. I have not tried the base bench version, okay. but by footprint, it's smaller than Model S, I think, in every uh, measurable metric by like an inch or so. But interior volume is almost as large. Um, and especially when you compare it to Tycon, which is right up there in the same price. Tycon's quite large, but has no space on the inside. Yeah, as I, you know, I, I you're really crammed in that thing. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's a pretty small car that way. Nice car, mind you, but not practical for a family, and that's for darn sure. Um, Kyle, you noticed something interesting. I, I've been right, watching yeah, your so tweets this... about the headlight situation. Um, the Lucid Air, if, if the Goza guys don't know, um, they're using, is it lasers? Prisms and lasers. Anyways, the, 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 elements, uh, on the, the elements on the headlights are very thin, and they all move. But I'm sure they generate a lot of heat. And you noticed something about the headlights, which I thought was interesting. Right. And, and I, I can't take credit for it because we were on a media call with Lucid earlier this week where they had everyone on doing like a pre-presentation so we can get all of our stories and videos out in mm -hmm. preparation for yesterday's launch. 
And uh, one of the things they brought up was, uh, you know, these headlights, of course, are super cool, super bright. We have really stupid headlight laws in the U.S. that don't allow full brightness and full functionality. Um, so we'll see what these headlights can do, hopefully, when our federal motor vehicle safety standards open up. But they do generate a lot of heat. And also, when you have a car pushing through the air, you have a high-pressure area uh, on the grill. So what they've done is they've done two things. They've put a little slot above the headlights and the air will flow through there. They have air management that brings it over, I think over the rear view mirror. I forget exactly where it's channeled to through the hood. Um, and it also flows through the headlight uh, heat sinks, which is really awesome. And they didn't talk about it on the public launch, but I just thought like this little attention to detail, this is how they got the range. This is how they're doing everything. It's pretty cool. Yeah, they spent a lot of time on that. Uh, very large frunk on this car. I think uh, even bigger than the Model S, even the original Model S. Um, it has a uh, load floor that folds up. So tons and tons and tons of space on this car. Again, um, especially for the rear seats, <clears throat> because what they've done, if you, if you sat in any Tesla, you know, because the battery pack's completely flat, when you sit in the rear seat, your legs are elevated, right? Because you don't have that hump that dips down. Uh, Lucid has sculpted the battery pack in the body in such a way that you still retain those for passengers in the back. So, if, I mean, I don't have any pictures of the uh, battery pack here, but anyways, they've rearranged the modules in such a way so that they don't lose anything in there by giving them that space. So I think that was quite interesting on their front. Um, they did have a slide. Unfortunately, I don't have it here in front of me. They were talking about the power that they're getting out of their motors compared to the competition, including American EV competition and and the Germans. Um, any thoughts on that? Yeah, well, this, this is where we get into the alien technology. This is where their benefit comes into. I mean, these are... I forget the exact metrics, but just about four or five times better in terms of weight to power output than the nearest competitor, which is Model 3, of course. And so, uh, you know, I've, I've not held, but seen both motors, they're too heavy to hold. And, um, you know, when Model 3 first came out, I think we all were geeking out, like, look at these amazing motors, they're wound so perfectly. And then you look at it next to the Lucid motor, it's like, wow, is that a trash can? I mean, it really is night and day. And so what they're able to do is they're able to house their, their motor and their gearbox, their gear reduction system, inside of one motor housing, and uh, which means you don't need a separate gearbox on the back of it. So you're just taking space away. Now, will these gears hold up? We don't know. Longevity, you know, we'll have to test when they hit the roads, of course. Uh, but I do believe that they know what they're doing. And it it seems pretty cool. The big question for me is, what is this Tesla tri-motor system going to look like on battery day? And then after that, what is Lucid's tri-motor system going to come? Because Lucid hasn't even shown us everything yet. Um, they've teased the tri-motor version. Tesla's teased the tri-motor version. I think they're just waiting to see what Tesla has to say at this point. <laughs> Um, they did show two other cars that they have in development. Obviously, there was a leak about the SUV, which is what they call Project Gravity. Very short on details on that. But anyways, mm -hmm. an SUV. And it looks like they had something a little smaller, maybe a little more compact, like Model 3 type size, or maybe something like a little Roadster still under covers. So um, anyways, they have at least two other products that they're working on that we know of. Um, I thought it was interesting, too, that they, they actually talked about energy storage. They're doing a lot of the same Tesla stuff, using their battery technology to build power pack type things. Um, did they go into a lot of detail about that, Carl? 
No, not a lot of detail. And that was honestly the first that I had seen that on a public release. It wasn't really brought up much. I don't know. I think it's kind of cool they're doing that. On the other hand, it was like, yeah, you're just copying Tesla now. <laughs> yeah. Um, they did mention about solar and all the other stuff. So obviously they have bigger plans. How it pans out um, remains to be seen. But they do have a factory, which is real. And they're building pre-production cars right now as we speak. So um, they're expecting what? Uh, first production cars sometime mid next year is that was that the timing yes yeah, spring of 21 first cars roll off the line peter hawk holding her head of production is a stellar guy i know him personally that's where he, he went out q5 production which i believe had the yeah so peter uh did q5 highest quality production of any german automotive uh production line in Germany, then he went to Tesla, fixed all the Model 3 ramp-up issues, and now is over at Lucid. Uh, and basically, uh, what Peter Rollinson did to Peter Hockholdinger was just go build the best factory you can, do it however you want, you're in charge, go have fun. And it's just, I mean, it is such an incredible uh, place. I should be over there very soon getting a tour on video for everyone. It's going to be pretty awesome. Looking forward to seeing that. I was wondering about Peter because I remember very distinctly when he was brought on to help out, you know, with, with the Tesla thing. And then it went dead quiet. It's like, what happened to him? And now you mentioned the name. I'm like, oh, well, that's where he went. Now, really smart guy. Mm -hmm. uh, Tesla needs a lot more of those type of people, but they probably have more people now. Who knows? I mean, they're building factories. They're learning as they go. And uh, so, yeah, um, yeah, the Lucid looks really cool. Um, you know, it's out of my price range. I think it's out of most people's price range. But if you're cross-shopping against a Tesla and stuff, um, yeah. I mean, there's plenty of time between what Tesla wants to release. I mean, the Plaid Model S is scheduled to be released by the end of this year. I have a pretty good feeling we're going to see something at Battery Day. Elon has been hinting quite a bit that there's quite a bit more to show. Um they don't have any other opportunities of doing any kind of more reveals between now and the end of the year. So why not show both at the same time? Hopefully they'll talk about the Roadster too and maybe some other technologies. So anyways, um, I'll put a link in the video description. You guys want to check out the Lucid Air uh, um, presentation. Very well done. Very good stagecraft on their part. Very well rehearsed. Peter, is, uh, uh, Peter Rollinson is a very well-spoken guy. Actually, everybody was, but uh, yeah, real smart guy. I remember him back in the early days when he was at Tesla. They did the three three or four videos when they were uh, developing the Model S back in the day. I was watching that program very, very closely. It was a very smart guy. So anyways, so having said that, the reason we brought Kyle on is because he did an epic road trip. Um, I have a map here. I'm going to bring it up now. You guys on the show can't see it here, but I'm going to bring it up for people. Now, Kyle sent me this picture. He said this is not exactly the road trip that he just did. This is just after, what was it, one year of ownership? How many trips you've taken and places you've gone? Yeah, just just under a year, 11 months or so. And that's just for that car. <laughs> Jesus, that's crazy. Um, so tell us a little bit about your trip. Where did you go? What were your plans? What did you do? Um, interesting stories along the way. Fill us in. Yeah, so we... Yeah, we, we uh, Alyssa and I, my girlfriend, we were sitting at home. We're like, okay, we've been at home for the coronavirus thing. We're like, we live at this destination right off I-95 on the East Coast. There's like five breweries and restaurants, and we are like the closest house. We are literally on the campus. And so we're like, okay, everyone's just kind of around us. Why don't we 
go away from everyone and go camping. This was the idea. Let's just go into the middle, as far as we can get away from everyone, go on a big camping trip. So I went online, called a few companies, had everything shipped down to my parents' place in Florida. And basically we had, uh, you know, Yakima Grantor 16 roof box, tents, camping gear, uh, you know, stove tops. We threw the dogs in the car. This was two days before we left. We didn't know how long we'd be gone for. Uh, we put together a little intro uh, for our video series and we bolted. So we went from North Carolina down to Florida, spent a week there, prepped the car, got everything ready to go. And then it was straight from Marco Island, Florida, which is about as south as you can get in Florida on the West Coast, all the way to Minot, North Dakota, which is about <laughs> as north as you can go straight up. And uh, which was amazing. How long and did what that a take cool you? Trip because that was that was an interesting one because that's not not really yeah not very long we we kind of camped out took our time uh but there's no like supercharger route along the way so it's a lot of really deep charges and doing 250 280 mile stretches mm -hmm. to get to the next one and so i liked the challenge of it of course with the roof box uh, if i can't be cannonballing i want to be stretching every last mile out of the car it's just something to keep me occupied while driving and then, yeah, basically from there, we went through all the national parks out in the West. We, we did Glacier, Tetons, uh, Grand Canyon, all, you know, you name it, we did it, uh, which was amazing. Camped through the whole thing. And then after about a month and a half, we kind of got tired of camping, uh, stationed ourselves in Denver. Then we went back to California. I grabbed a Morgan Plus 4 press car, and we wanted a 2,000-mile California coastal road trip in oh. a Morgan uh, which was amazing. <laughs> we took this big road trip up in the Morgan, up and down the coast, 2,000 miles. Uh, then we went back down to Los Angeles. We did uh, spend some time with friends there, other automotive journalists. Went back to Denver, did Pikes Peak for a week, which was really cool. So we were there covering the whole thing. One of the cars that we uh, did a lot of the validation and testing on at our facility here in North Carolina, which was the stock Model 3 Performance won their class and beat out all the other Teslas, um, mostly due to them having issues, but uh, still it was great to see Blake win Pikes Peak. That was a community back effort, which was pretty interesting. First of its kind ever at Pikes Peak. Nice. And then we came home and that was about 17,500 miles and oh. uh, two months later. Oh my gosh. I, wow. I've been watching your videos. I, I thought it was really interesting. Um, I want to talk really quickly about Pikes Peak because obviously you brought it up. Um, I mean, Randy Popes had an accident on the very first run. And boy, did those guys really come together. And they fixed up their car in less than 48 hours, which I thought was unbelievable. And um, uh, do you have any more details on on, on that particular situation? Yeah, we yeah, yeah, I followed it all the time. I was there checking on them, working on the car. You know, I, I'd swing by at 12.30, 1 o'clock in the morning uh, at the body shop and lights are on and people are working. I'd walk in. Everyone was just, you know, drinking beer, basically working on the car. And it was pretty amazing uh, effort. You know, the thing is, this is the true racing spirit. I've been on race teams where they literally go out into the parking lot, steal a fender off a car, throw mm -hmm. it on the race car and leave a sticky note that says, sorry, here's the phone number. <laughs> So, you know, <laughs> this is uh, this this type of spirit was really cool to see uh, Tesla owners have, especially with unplugged performance doing this stuff. They bought another Model 3 performance, swapped over the drivetrain because, again, 
if they had changed VIN numbers, it would be pretty much impossible to get back in the race. You kind of need to run that VIN without having to do a full re-entry of a vehicle. But swapping parts is totally fine. The car had to be re-tech inspected. The, the, they really got everything together, working fine, totally great. The only problem was on the way up the hill on the final race day run, like not very far in, the battery goes from green to bright red and thermal throttles super hard. And we're not sure why. Mm -hmm. I think it was a sensor trip or air in the cooling I system or hot spotted the pack and that just killed the whole thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's pretty amazing that he managed to still knock off such a, a decent time, considering the car had less than half its full power. I mean, that was like it was yeah, just no question. That car was a yeah, it's a full race car. That thing was at least ten to fifteen miles per hour faster than Blake's stock car on DOT street tires because he was going after a production record. Right. Um, it it was a monster. There, no question, that thing was was fast as hell. That was great. Well, I saw somebody was dragging a Model 3 with a pickup truck to yeah, the top if, of the if, hill. If, if anyone here has watched the car. And then uh, let it coast down the hill to recharge. <laughs> that was us. Yeah, I drove the pickup <laughs> truck each time, and that's how we charged uh, Blake's car up because uh, we had some issues with the power there. We weren't able to use it, and we would burn 10% to get from the Airbnb to the mountain. And basically, I was like, let's hook it up to the Toyota, drag it to the summit. Little sucker was pegged at redline the whole way up. And then we'd regen the Tesla down and we got it back up to 98, 99% every time. That was awesome. Nice. That was really funny to see. Um, what other stories do you have from your from your trip? I saw you ended up at the Bonneville Salt, Flat, Salt Flats and did a bunch of runs there with Alyssa driving. What was that all about? Right. That was really cool. You know, anytime you go through I-80 and every time I drive through I-80, you know, I'm lucky I live on the road basically. So I, I always stop there, but I'd never really gone to explore around the salt flats. And this is a 40 square mile, completely flat uh, area. That's just salt underneath it. If you like your car, do not go here. Uh, thankfully <laughs> I don't like my car. So I did go there and we got it covered in salt. And basically we maxed out the car at 158 miles an hour. It thermal throttled and cut power there. Uh, we did lots of big skids, lots of fun, uh, you know, stayed out there till the middle of the night and watched the stars. It was the, the most amazing otherworldly experience. You just have to do it. I've never been to Bonneville for speed week, but I plan to go to the next one, which will be really cool. And um, what else did we do? We went to Moab, did some off-roading in the Model 3. Jeeps that. were turning around and we were still going. <laughs> and uh, I mean, I'm surprised my battery is still in my car. I mean this seriously. There were a couple big jumps where I'm just like, there's no way that this is attached to the car anymore. We were teeter-tottering on the pack. I mean, just <laughs> destroying this thing. And it, it uh, never cared. It was fine the yeah, whole time. The, the 3's are a really tough car. How trashed is your yeah, paint they're, they're, now? They're tough cars. I can how trash is your paint now? Uh, garden, totally ruined. I mean, <laughs> you can't even look at it. It's just uh, because we were also off-roading in Montana on these little trails that had trees that just scraped yeah. the whole side of the car Ooh. the whole way down. It, it needs some paint correction. And, you know, I have paint protection film on it in certain places. But, again, it's a car that when I trade it in, no one's going to care the difference. They won't know it, and it'll be worth the same as if it was perfect. Mm. Well, that's good to know. Because I know Ian and I we went on our trip, though. The front of his car is pretty trashed. It needs a repaint. You haven't gotten around to that yet, have you, Ian? 
Oh, and Ian's frozen. Why? It's just going to get worse. <laughs> <laughs> We're having some really difficult times yeah, with, uh, yeah, with yeah, the so, so thankfully, with, with video. Yeah, my front end's all paint protection filmed, which is good. And then also the key rock chip area. So it's really not that bad. Okay. Um, I've run it through two car washes since I've been home, but there's still bugs caked in everywhere. So it's a project for another day. Very cool. Yeah, I've been watching it. I mean, uh, if you guys, uh, I mean, if you haven't seen Kyle's series on his YouTube channel, definitely go check it out. I'll put a link down in the video description. It's pretty epic. Listen, there is one question that I have, and, and it's been, it's been, where did you learn that, that wrap the supercharger cable trick with the, with the rag, with the wet rag? Where does that come from? I know it works, but where did you learn that? You know, I, it's, yeah, we should definitely talk about this. I don't know where I learned that. I knew about this since 2015, 2016, like early days of, really? of my Tesla ownership uh, life. Uh, and it's something that I kind of forgot about for years. And then I was like, why does my charging keep slow down this summer, keep slowing down? I'm like, well, let me just throw a rag on there. And I think someone had reminded me of it or I heard it somewhere. I'm like, oh, yeah, I used to do this like way back in the day when I was working at Tesla, that's what I did. And um, now it makes so much more of a difference because those version two chargers are putting 150 kilowatt at no pack voltage. You know, they're dumping like 500, 550 amps through that cable. And uh, it, it really makes all the difference in the world. So for those who don't know what we're talking about, I'll provide a little context. When you plug a car into a supercharger at a very low state of charge, the supercharger has to push a ton of current because DC chargers mm -hmm. match your pack voltage and pack voltage is low when it's empty. And that heats things up. Of course, the more current you get, it's I squared R. So the, the heat loss is increases by a square for the increase of the current. I guess that's the best way to describe it. And uh, yeah, what this does is it cools the handle because that's the point of the connection. That's where a lot of the wires are going and it has a ton of heat loss. And so I don't know for sure, but I this is what I suspect. Uh, back in the day, Tesla used to not limit charging speeds based on handle temperature. And then people were complaining that, hey, I'm burning my hand or it's super hot to the touch. So they bring down the charging speeds to keep the handle at a max temperature. I do not mm. believe this is a technical limitation. It is purely a customer experience limitation. Ah. So by cooling the outside of the handle, you cool a temperature sensor for the handle temperature, not the pin temperature on the inside. That's monitored on the car and on the pins. So there's nothing you're really harming by doing this. Again, this is my prediction. If someone knows for sure opposite, please let me know. But as far as I'm aware, with Tesla engineers as well, this is how it, how it works. And it just allows the car to charge faster, longer, uh, without thermal throttling to keep that handle cool. And what I used to do, like when we set the Cannonball last year after I came on the show, uh, we would just move stalls. So it, we'd let it go from 0 to 25% unplug switch plug back in and that works fine too it does accomplishes the same thing this just means you don't have to unplug so the trick is you take a rag you wet it down not so it's sopping wet but generally cool wrap it around tight around the, yes. the wand yeah and and i so i actually make it sopping wet i'm like it doesn't hurt anything you can you're not getting electrocuted those pins are so far in there and they're so far uh connected also dc current doesn't really like to jump that much i i'm not worried about a safety risk so i just okay. take a microfiber cloth uh pour water all over it 
and I extend it as far down the handle as I can, definitely past the metal coupler. Okay. And because any point of bending is a point of, of resistance that heats up. And so I usually get two or three wraps out of it and uh, make it pretty tight. Interesting. And now while we're on the subject, is there any benefit on V3? Now, obviously the cable is cooled, so we don't have to worry about that, but is the handle still potentially a restriction point on the V3s? Yeah, so, so the cooling, uh, the, the thermal management on V3 handles does go all the way to the end of the pins. And I believe they are silver plated copper pins for V3, which means they should have less heat conductivity, uh, or I should say heat uh, resistance points. So it should stay cooler. However, uh, I still do it on very hot days with V3s, but I haven't had enough testing to notice any difference. Hmm. Uh, I did see someone on Twitter recently say that on version three, it thermal throttled down to 80 kilowatt. They put it on there, it went back up above 200. So it's possible, hmm. but I usually don't take other people's testing without me doing it. So I can't say for sure, but it's definitely not gonna hurt anything. No, hmm. no, of course not. It's not worse than, I mean, you know, people are like, oh, I gotta get electrocuted. Well, wait a minute, how does supercharging work in the rain? You know, like yeah. there's no risk here, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, it rains. Yeah. <laughs> I can spray high. Yeah. You know, I pressure wash the car while it's sure. charging and we're alive. I mean, I again, I don't think there's a, a user safety risk. No. I could see Tesla coming out and saying, hey, don't do this for X, Y, Z. Of course. Uh, however, me personally, my stance is uh, I'm still going to do it because it, it works. It's not dangerous. And it may put their cables under a little bit more stress. Um, but at the end of the day, like, I'm not going to sit at a supercharger for 15 or 20 minutes longer, which is seriously the time difference we're talking about here when mm -hmm. it thermal throttles, uh, just to protect their cables a little bit. It'd be very fun to try this in the middle of winter when it hits minus 20 <laughs> and watch that. <laughs> I can't get it off the wand. It's frozen. <laughs> <laughs> it's just get stuck on there. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Uh, I remember on our trip, we had a couple of times when like I got into the car and I'm wrestling, I mean, it was, some of them were V2s. I'm like, man, they're wrestling that cable. It's like, it's like a Python, yeah. you know, when it gets nice and cold like that. So, um, especially the when they're not being that used. Are not the, uh, the, the Electrify America stations in the winter time, they use a much thicker cable than the Tesla superchargers do. And this thing is impossible to move. Mm. Uh, like I, I took a Kona electric on a road trip in the winter two winters ago. I don't know. It wasn't this past. Maybe it was this past one. And the charge port's on the front of the car. So you got to twist it like 180 degrees to get it in. And this was a full effort. Me wrangling with this cord. People were laughing at me in the parking lot. It is just so silly. Yeah, I know that feeling. Yep, I had that feeling. So all in all, pretty good trip. Like I said, I'll put a link in the video description. You guys could check out his, uh, his, um, his channel and his... Um, how many episodes did you do, Kyle? Well, yeah, we're not not even quite done releasing them yet. I think we're on episode six, and we'll have a total of nine. Wow. It's a great way to go to sleep at night. I mean, I mean that <laughs> seriously. Like, uh, it, it shuts your brain off, I think, which is why we actually get the viewership we do. People don't watch because they're interested in the car stuff. I think it's just so unbelievably boring, it puts you to sleep. <laughs> and so that is, uh, I think it's a benefit. If you have insomnia, definitely check out our channel. <laughs> I like your channel, Kyle. <laughs> Don't fool yourself. It's lots of fun. Uh, maybe, guys, maybe you got a new sideline available in, in AM, ASMR. You know, that could right, be the new thing. Oh, exactly. Well, when we show the road going past with the camera, and, you know, it, I think that just lulls people in, into just falling asleep, <laughs> which is great. That's cool because the video still plays. We still get the ad revenue. Everyone's happy. Perfect. Yeah, it's all good. Perfect. It's all good. Yeah. Yeah, let those ads roll, baby. 
Um, don't forget, folks, you can also watch uh, Kyle. He's also doing a bunch of videos for Inside EVs, so they got some really neat things in there. He also does a podcast with those guys. Um, definitely check out their stuff. Don't forget to subscribe to our channel, too. Anyways, uh, guys, you have any questions for him before we jump into viewer and listener questions? No? Crickets. There was something about Pikes Peak, but of course, we're, we're all over the map here, so I'm, I'm, I'm lost now. What the hell did I want to ask? Um... No, it'll it'll come back to me maybe later on. But yeah, let's let's move forward for now. Okay. Unless Eric, unless you have them. How does Kyle have such a great quaff? <laughs> <laughs> I think that's what all the people want to know. Uh, you can always count on Eric for the fun and levity yeah, in the no, show. Yeah, not sure. <laughs> yep. <laughs> all right. Well, I want to say thank you to everybody who submitted questions. Well, you know, I, I will say I will say that it takes it takes such incredible. Uh, um, a chutzpah to to be able to just like on a whim just go you know what let's just pack the dogs the house we'll oh. we'll send stuff to my parents they'll hold like you know i could I, I would imagine the conversation like hey mom listen um we're gonna send a bunch of stuff to your house uh we're gonna go camping what do you mean you're going camping well we're we're we're, we're taking a long road trip listen it's i don't have time to explain it because i'm busy drawing a map right now you should see how long this line is on my map but anyway we're gonna we're gonna send some stuff to your house and we're gonna just come get it and then we're gonna leave you alone for a long time. If you don't hear from us for say four weeks, call the authorities. <laughs> I know for Figure us out. if we did right. anything well, like that's, that. That's kind of how it goes. But, <laughs> but they're used to it by now because if you know our channel, uh, we do this stuff all the time. Like this this particular trip isn't the longest EV road trip we've done. I mean, I think uh, last right. summer I did an even longer one. And uh, we're just going to continue this with uh, more EVs. For example, uh, one of the goals, of course, is to do the entire Pan American Trail, uh, not just stop mm -hmm. uh, like or like Rivian did in L.A. or San Diego. We're going all the way to Alaska, baby. And so that's going to happen sometime soon. And uh, we're really growing something. out of spec into a multi-channel organization uh, media outlet uh, for all automotive. We'll be doing, of course, um, uh, track work, a uh, full review channel, the out of spec motoring will be the adventure side. We'll have a whole performance outlet just for electric performance stuff. So yeah, we're, we're working hard. I mean, I'm up till two, three in the morning, every day pumping out content. We're going to do nine videos a week, which is just going to be crazy. And uh, wow. so, so if anyone wants to come work for us, call me, uh, <laughs> we need help. <laughs> we know if you nice. need an editor. <laughs> Uh, I know for us, if we were to do a trip like that, my wife would have a list that would be at least six pages long, single lane, single line, and uh, she'd be packing pots and pans, and she'd be even asking if we could bring the right. fridge and the stove. Fine Lab has a line of protective coatings that were engineered to protect your Tesla's paint, leather, carpet, plastic, and wheels, effectively blocking all those UV rays and environmental factors before they ever get to ruin your brand new baby. Fine Lab offers a complete line of car care products and ceramic coatings for both the do-it-yourselfer and professional detailers. Did we mention we also have the world's first self-healing coating? Check us out at finelab.com, that's spelled F-E-Y-N-L-A-B, to see the science behind the self-healing. Check out our product catalog and click contact us for a free quote from a certified installer in your area. Fine Lab and Tesla, we were meant for each other. All right, let's get into some questions. Thank you, everybody, for submitting questions. We have, uh, I, I did announce that Kyle was going to be on the show today, so some of them might be targeted at him. So anyways, jump into the first question. comes from Frank. He says, what do you make of Lucid Motors having a better motor, power-to-weight ratio, than Tesla or Porsche, as well as the car being 14% more efficient than the Model S in terms of ranged car weight? 
Kyle, what do you think? Can you answer that one? All right, here we go. The Porsche question is easy. Basically, the Taycan is the best stuff you can possibly buy off the shelf. It is a collection of tier one suppliers, a little bit of Porsche in-house stuff. Uh, I was very good friends, still am very good friends, I should say, with uh, uh, head of virtual vehicle development for Porsche, Christoph Gumbel, who basically led the Taycan project from a design and engineering point. And uh, Christoph is so cool. And he basically was like, you know, like they work for Volkswagen Group. It comes down to costing. The bean counters run that decision. Uh, at Lucid, it is the exact opposite. It is don't worry about the cost. Don't worry about how many we're going to make. Just make the best possible stuff. And if, if you know anything about Peter Rawlinson, it's he geeks out on chasing every last tenth of a percent of efficiency uh, from air conditioning efficiency to to anything it is that is their obsession and that's how you build a really good ev it's not by buying stuff off the shelf it's by designing Absolutely and building right. and engineering in-house and that's why tesla's done so well and that's why i do predict tesla uh at some point whether it's battery day or not to just wipe the floor of course as we expect with their next generation stuff because keep in mind the model s isn't really any different from 2012. It's, you know, a few incremental changes, yes. but you can still do everything with a 2012 Model S as you can with a brand new one. So that just, I really have high expectations for that next generation product. Absolutely. All right. Next question comes from Jason. He says, well, this one's targeted at Ian and myself. Trevor and Ian, how many superchargers in total have you now visited? What is your total mileage and efficiency on the whole road trip? Any thoughts about the next road trip? Now, I'm going to assume that here Jason's talking about the lightning ev coast to coast run that we did back at the end of february early, early march uh we did 40 supercharging stops ian that was correct right exactly yes 14? uh well you did 40 i did 80 <laughs> give, give <or> take. <laughs> something like that actually between february and march i did over 100 i'm not in kyle's league but for me that was that was a huge number yeah so that run was 40 well, how trips, many i know because you know ian you you both of you go ahead i was saying because you've also driven down to florida and back uh, I know you've done that trip. So how many how many unique charging stations, superchargers, would you say you guys have visited between Canada and America? In the U.S., I've done the Florida run twice now, not the identical routes. So, you know, it's normally around 10 to a dozen stops each way. So, and they're repetitive. So let's say I visited a total of 20 unique chargers in the U.S. so far. And in Canada... There were definitely 40 unique chargers plus a couple of local ones. So I've probably visited somewhere, I guess, around between 60 and 70 different unique chargers <sighs> is my best guess mm -hmm. to date. Yeah. I think I've done, I want to say less than 10. Really? <laughs> wow. Yeah. Oh, you got to up your yeah, I've been, I've been <laughs> to, uh, so when we were in, um, I've been to one in Orlando. Uh, there's one I've been to the one in Melbourne, Florida. I've been to the one in a couple in Palm Beach. So I think I think all in all, I've uh, been to maybe it might be close to ten, if not a little over ten. But I don't I don't think it's, it's I don't think it's even a dozen yet. So I have a fun statistic about this because I used to testify. I should just leave the show. I'm sorry, everybody. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> um, yeah, as we all know, Tesla blocked some AWS stuff today, it sounds like, so we can't use Teslify. But I think on this car, which, again, I haven't owned a full year yet, 
we're at 250 individual chargers uh, of just superchargers, not counting level two, not counting Chatamos, which Chatamos, I think I've done 20 or 30 individual and at least another hundred level two locations as well, uh, just on that car. And that's what you get when you road trip a lot, but you definitely see a lot of installs. Yeah, just the answer. I will tell you, you know what, there's, there's, I have a lot of, en- I was gonna say, I have a lot of envy for folks who can do this um, because I, I sort of, wish I could do what a lot of you guys do, which is, I mean, look, it's hard for most Americans to just take a week, two weeks, a month and just go road tripping, right? Like if you're, if your nature is, uh, you know, you, you run your own company, you know, you're a blogger, uh, you know, like if, if you're, um, you know, uh, what is, what's that, um, an influencer, like if you have a, <laughs> you know, if your, if your job entitles you to just sort of like be able to be out there and push content, um, you know, and that's to your advantage. But most people like, I mean, I wish I was a travel blogger or somebody who worked for like a travel magazine. Cause like, Hey, now I get to go do these things. Um, and in light of COVID-19, it, I think it's good to sort of therapeutically get out there and, and see something different, uh, than the same four walls. So I, the, the, it's good envy. I'm not, I'm not like mad that you guys can do that. Um, what is interesting though, and I, and I sort of, I think it's, really how you take it but sometimes when people who do travel like that look at folks like me and go well why haven't you and i and i and i and i want to make clear like sometimes it's because there just isn't a way to do it like it's the want is there but the the opportunity to do it doesn't present itself whether it's financial time anything else um but uh but certainly to live vicariously through the travels of others is great uh, in the meantime, I would eventually love to with my Model 3 to just take it out somewhere because I've owned it now for, you know, two plus years and I haven't really had a chance to stretch it um, outside of Orlando. Or no, I've been to, I'm sorry, St. Augustine. St. Augustine is the farthest I've gone with my car. Just so everybody knows, so, you know, Eric and his we're girlfriend so were so lucky to do this. Yeah. Mm. Just so you yeah, know, every, and, and, Eric, and, Eric and his girlfriend were supposed to come and visit us this summer here in Canada. Yeah. But because of COVID, the borders are shut down. They so. were. That would have been an epic road trip. Yes. It would have been. And we yeah, well, likely would have made some, st- yeah, we likely would have made some stops in New England, New York, uh, awesome. you know, either coming from or going to Canada. Um, but, you know, like it's, 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 I think it's great in the time that we're in that if there are opportunities to sort of experience nature uh, and be out there for a bit, especially when in light of the wildfires happening out West, I mean, oh. my, my heart goes out to all those folks. And I really wish all of our listeners uh, and viewers who are out there are all safe and sound and, and doing all the best they can. Um, but, you know, to be able to travel to different places, experience new things, even if you're not an outdoors kind of person, if you're never not a camper uh, by nature, uh, just to be able to get in the car and go venture somewhere new, uh, especially when, as Missy guys have done, which is sort of on a whim, you know, you may just like, hey, we're going to just go away this weekend. Where are you going to go? I don't know. We're just going to drive till we find somewhere new. Uh, you know, that spirit of adventure, uh, I think, lies within all of us. Uh, so it'd be, I think it'll be great from, from you know, whenever I can do it to go do that. But I think all of us aspire to to do that. That's the name of Ryan's car, Spirit of Adventure. It's perfect. <laughs> it is. All right. Next question comes from. Actually, our... I just oh. want to finish off for Jason because he did ask, what was your total mileage and efficiency? Yes. Uh, 6,090 kilometers as per the car's odometer. So that's probably just slightly optimistic, 5% or so. Uh, efficiency was 215 uh, watt hours per kilometer. 
So that's what we we did. So a little over thirty eight hundred miles. Winter. Yeah. I mean, Remember, you were home. It was cold. Yeah, we were moving fast, and it was it was cold. It was like you know uh, we were we were in double digit negative temperatures. At, that's why uh, we love summer because the efficiency goes. And you also and you also had uh, spares in your car, right? You you, oh, you yeah. We had a fair bit of kit with us. Yeah, I had a full size two ton hydraulic jack. I had a full size spare tire. You know, right. inflators, tools, all, all the all the gear for any eventuality. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, bottles of pee, everything. And full, and full bellies. <laughs> That's right. And full bellies, yes. Yes, and full bladders. <laughs> All right, let's move on. Next question comes from Coach DA. says, what are the drawbacks of high-voltage architecture that may explain why Tesla and others haven't chosen to use it? I love this question, and I'm fascinated to hear what Kyle's going to say on this. Uh, this one's for Kyle. Go ahead, take it, Kyle. Okay, if you want to, you can chime in anytime you want, but but it purely comes down to off-the-shelf components are typically rated for up to 600 volts. And so when you buy off-the-shelf components such as connectors or things like this, uh, you're, you're saving a lot of money than having to manufacture themselves or find someone to do it at a higher voltage rating. Now, this is a problem that is becoming less common now than it has been. Uh, however, the 400 volt architecture, there's another benefit, which is a lot of the early charging station infrastructure is also good up to 600 volt. And the reason you're running 600 volt connections and, and ancillary hardware for 400 volts is you always need a, a you know a 20% buffer to top. It's the same from mounting your charging installation at your house, things like this. And so um, what you what what now has to happen with 800 volt Tycon and now with 924 volt Lucid Air is there needs to be a DC to DC onboard booster to charge at older 400 volt capable hardware. And Lucid uses the Wonder Box, which is truly amazing because it allows for vehicle to grid as well as vehicle to vehicle charging oh, yeah, that's right. on the J1772 and CCS standard, by the way, which no one thought was possible, but I've been saying for years it is, you just need to figure it out. And so they did. And uh, so this is truly the death of Chatamo. I mean, th- when I said there's uh, Chatamo's dying last or a couple months ago, they're like, well, <laughs> yeah, yeah. think about vehicle to grid because people act. No one does that, first of all. Secondly, you can now do it with J1772. Anyway, yeah, purely cost related. There's really no <laughs> downside to having a higher system voltage architecture. You're able to run thinner cabling, smaller wires, have less heat loss, and, and an overall more efficient system and a more ready to rock and roll system. So right, we'll, we'll see everyone go to an eight, 900 volt system architecture soon. That is one I, thing, that's one thing from the Lucid that I wish the Teslas did was VDG, vehicle to grid. Uh, that would be, that would be mint. That's one of the reasons I upgraded my charger outside, hoping that they would maybe tie that in. I wanted to future-proof myself. Ian, you were gonna say something? Yeah, no, I just I sort of had like a part B to that question I wanted to tack on is having that super high voltage, like 800 in the case of Porsche and, and 900 and change for Lucid. Is this one of the reasons like Porsche is able to maintain the performance of the system even at low SOCs? Because that's the one thing I'm super jelly about is the fact that those cars, you can run the SOC down and they pull just as hard, whereas ours under 50 percent, you really feel them start to taper. Yeah. Yeah, it's certainly a, a portion of it, but a lot of that is also just down to Porsche specifically getting pretty aggressive with their, their ramp down strategy. And also those cars have pretty big buffers at the bottom of the pack. Uh, so like the Tesla, when you hit zero, you're pretty much close to the bottom of the pack. Um, yes, you are. Yeah, I, I would say that plays a factor, but it's not the full full thing, the full story there. Okay, yeah. okay. Cool. All right, next question comes from, let's see if I can bring this up, hmm. Chris. 
He says, uh, how would you all feel about an eight inch display Chris. built into... How would you all feel about having an 8-inch display built into the rear of the center console for second-row passengers to use for climate controls and more in the next Model S and X? Okay, mm. sure. Add it. <sighs> Will Tesla do yeah, it? Yeah, but they didn't buy the car. Why are you trying to please the people in the back? They didn't pay for it. <laughs> well, you know. <laughs> it's supposed to be luxury. You're supposed to have this, and you're supposed to have that. You're the seat massagers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, and, I think know. it's a great idea. Yeah, well, here's here's the question, though. If you have a display that size, where are you going to put it? Because of where the, where the vents are, are you going to put it above or below that? Because you, you really can't have the vents lower because then you're basically blowing air at their nah, feet. You, you put it in if the you seats. put it too much higher, then you have to basically increase the size of the console, which means the person who's driving now has to yeah, already put sit. It below. Yeah, but, like, but then who's going to want to bend over that low to have their controls? It wouldn't make any sense. If you well, want to do it, build it. It's the, not the Tycon has it. Build it into the back of the headset of, of the headrest. Okay. As like an infotainment system, have it basically into the headrest of the put seat. It, put it up in the ceiling. Like the minivans There's do. There's a I revolutionary idea. <laughs> You're hired, Eric. <laughs> you know, these Germans have been trying to sell these these headsets for the last thirty years in the back of cars, and they just have like they're like five grand. No one buys them. I don't even know why they go out of their way to offer them at this point. Like the new S class, you can get them. Like no one will buy this. Uh, anyway. Yeah, but no, I, I agree. I think having some sort of uh, something fun in the back just to keep people occupied with buttons would be interesting because you can't even turn your heated seats on in the back of a Model S yeah, right now. Yeah, and that's, right. that's, or three, that's minimalism gone a little too, too far. Yeah, yeah, minimalism gone a little too far. All right, next question comes and from... And the cool thing is if you end up doing that, you could have parental... You could, you, could, you could add parental controls into the software so that if there are kids in the back you don't want to missing with the controls and a parent just, you know tap it on the, the it. center display and lock it so that the, the functionality is the same. Yes. Well, you got to think of these things if you're going let's to Let's go, Elon. Let's go. Work let's on go it. Elon. Let's you get, got, let's you got to it. step up your game on the Model S. Let's go. Battery day. <laughs> All right. Next question comes from Ben. Ben says, if buying a Tesla is not <laughs> if Ben, if, if, sorry, if buying a Tesla is not cheap here in Ontario with zero government incentives, well, there is a government incentive. We're just capped at an MSRP. Anyways, uh, when then the Lucid Air is going to be more out of reach. Uh, when do you folks think that a 500-kilometer range EV will be available for the masses for less than 40000 bucks? Yeah, it'll happen. It's just Under 40000 Canada? Oh, man. It, not anytime soon. Also, yeah. I see a trend towards shorter range and smaller batteries instead of bigger batteries and more range coming in the next few years. Really? Interesting. Yeah, because I think would, about it, I, I, I see I, more more charging infrastructure. You won't need the range. Why why spend all the money to carry around all those extra batteries, all that extra cost in the vehicle? Uh, two things need to happen. We need more uh, uh, frequency of uh, reliable charging stations and mm -hmm. deep charging into the pack. But for example, like I drove the Mini Cooper SE, which is the shortest range new EV available. I drove it from New Jersey to North Carolina with my friend Tom Malogny, and we had no problem. I mean, that thing rips max speed to, to 80%, 85%. It was super easy. And so I'm just like, why would you need, for the normal person, you don't need all that range. I also think... I was going to say, and I also think to Kyle's point, over time, if we think about what the average American driver, and I'm speak, strictly speaking just for America, and I know, I know this is a question more about uh, for Ben in Canada, but for, for the average North American driver, 
uh, here in the U.S., it, it, you, we're not driving very far. The average round-trip commute is under 50 miles. So why would you need a long-range vehicle if your daily commute is under 50 miles? You can easily plug in the car. And if the goal is to eventually supplant um, ICE vehicles with electric cars, then it, you certainly could have, as Elon envisions, basically this ride-share network where a car's on a street and using an account, like a key card or something, you just... You basically swipe the car, get in, drive it, go somewhere else, plug it in, and kind of get out. Um, if that's long term, what could be the envision of the future of this country uh, and you know places around the world? Then yeah, you don't need a 500 mile battery. You could get by with one that's 120 miles. Not 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 to discount what he's saying, but I can understand the mentality for a lot of people that feel that they want a longer range car uh, and not have to deal with the perceived inconvenience of charging. You know? Well, I, I think there's two things at work and it, a lot of it is very Canada centric. One of them is in the, the phase we're at now where there's the mass awareness of EVs, but not necessarily mass acceptance from consumers. We really have to overdo it on the range thing. Like I always hear, you know, like it was like, well, when they hit 250 miles, I'll be in. No, really, I need 300. Oh, you know what? I right. do a lot of road tripping. I need 400. Like the number just keeps getting higher and higher for the average Joe to buy in. And we all know once you own the car that it's grossly excessive. You know, it's like my car, yeah. you know, is, is rated for 300. It never gets that because of the way it's driven. And it's still more than enough. Like I couldn't consider oh, yeah. wanting more range than that. But that's because I use it and I understand it. But to get people on board while we're still trying to get mass adoption going, you need these crazy excessive numbers to calm them into it. Um in Canada, I'm going to give the average consumer a little bit more credence when they make this sort of request because the cold really does a number on range sure. and because so much of our country is basically squirrels and bears. Like there's nothing <laughs> out there. I mean, the minute you get more than 50 miles past the city out here, it's like logs and river. That's it. You know, so charging infrastructure in rural areas has got a long way to go. Mm -hmm. So we do have a more practical reason, I think, to want these higher range vehicles. But I think in the rest of North America, yeah, no, uh, Kyle is right. I just sort of see it like we really have to overkill range for a while. Once more people have the EV experience and realize, no, you know what, 100, 150 miles or whatever is more plus, than enough plus, for daily plus use. The charging I think they'll come back down, you know. Yeah. Yeah, that's how I see it. But there's also, yeah, so, I think there's so, also a fair number of households that have more than one car. So I'm, I mean, I just, mm -hmm. if I'm thinking of most of my friends, most of them have a spouse or significant other, and that person has their own car. So it could be that you have an electric vehicle for one, you know, one primary driver, and then you have an ICE for a second. And it could be that maybe just flip a coin and say, hey, for this trip, we're better off taking the gas car because we're going to get where we want to go a little bit quicker. It's environmentally not friendly, but maybe it is a more family friendly friendly vehicle. It's going to hold more cargo, whatever the reasons may be. So I, I you know, the, to Ben's question, yes, I think ultimately we're going to get to a point where costs will go down. It's like anything else. When when LED Technology. TVs first hit the market, you couldn't get one for under $2,000 that easily. Now you can get one for a few hundred bucks because as the technology just improves and as the vast availability uh, becomes more more predominant, then yes, the, eventually the, the cost can be more affordable. So it's a matter of time. I just think that, like Kyle said, it's going to be still a ways away before we're seeing a very high mileage capacity electric vehicle coming in at a price point of a Toyota Camry. It's just going to it's just going to be that disparity for a while. We're getting there. 
Yeah, and, I, and I'll leave everyone off with this one too. I mean, I, I, I think certainly there will always be a use case to necessitate a long range electric vehicle. I think you'll always be able to buy right. one. Um, but I, I tend to think like, you know, we're all ahead of the general consumer by five, six, seven years of EV ownership and living. And what a lot of people don't realize is I daily drive an electric smart car, or I also daily drive our BMW i3. Like I never drive my Tesla unless I'm going on a trip. I don't mm -hmm. really think, you know, and 99% and of the time, like my friends and stuff, they're never road tripping. So why would they need to go and spend twenty, thirty, forty thousand dollars right. more for a long range car when they can just go buy, you know, a four thousand dollar electric smart car right now and get around? And that's today. So I think, like Ian said, we're going to see this trend. You got to get everyone on board with electric vehicles, blow their minds, hit them with the specs, pull the lucid effect, and then from there they'll be like, "Well, I, I don't ever charge my car. Why am I going to spend so much right. on the next one?" Um, right. Like I, I tend to recommend the Model 3 Standard Plus to everyone that I meet at least. Yeah, yeah and, and I think it's also a matter of, you know, if the if the cost of variables between car A and car B, let's say it's a $20,000 net difference between the two cars, but car B only gives you two or three more features, one of which is, say, an extra 106 miles of range that they are offering in the battery pack. Well, how often are you driving that great of a distance with car A versus car B? Is car B really worth it if for 98% of your daily commutes in the course of a year, car A will suffice? And then on the occasion you take a longer trip, maybe make a few more charging stops because, again, the battery pack is smaller. But isn't it nice to kind of take your time on a trip anyway to not have to feel so stressed to get to somewhere so quickly like you're going on vacation, like enjoy yourself, stretch for a bit, hit a campsite like, you know, there's things to do uh, with EV charging. So I, I would say that by and large, there's credit to all of these arguments like they're, they're all very valid points. We're not here discrediting anything whatsoever uh, to the late consumer, but as it is. Um, we know the industry well enough that the like Kyle said you don't need to get the highest capacity vehicle when cyber trucks come out you don't need to see everyone buying basically like the creme de la creme cyber truck like for some people the base model will be more than enough for what they want it to do uh again it just depends on what the needs are but a lot of people are making decisions based on what they think they'll do versus what they currently do and i think That's it's what key. you what you currently do matters a lot more than what you think you'll do because either way, like gas or electric, you're going to be able to fuel the car in some capacity regardless of how far you're going. Uh, I'm, I'm going to buy a pickup truck because I might need to carry a sheet of plywood someday. Someday. No, face it. You you want a pickup right. truck. Right. Just say it. Yeah. When, I, when you I can just rent, when you can rent one if you need to on no, the rare I, occasion I, I, I or borrow one from a friend or something. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Moving on. Next question comes from Dennis. He says... Will I be able to upgrade my battery in a year? I'm losing range like crazy. Now, in all fairness, he says he's from Canada. So, um, Tesla so far has never offered a battery pack upgrade as something over the counter. They've done swaps and stuff, uh, you know, when it's a warranty situation, but they have not offered that. And I don't expect them to offer that. So... I don't think that's going to happen. Now, if, uh, as far as your question about losing range... I would range, say if, like you're, crazy, if you're losing range, if it, depending upon how... Yeah, depending on how bad it is, you might want to contact Tesla because your your car will be under warranty at this stage. I don't care what car you have; it's probably under warranty unless it's a really, really old Model S. Um, when there's a starting to hit their their uh, warranty limit, but yeah, you contact Tesla see if if there's anything they can test for you. Uh, you know, if you're if you're losing range like at very high percentages, like you're just your your SOC is hitting eighty percent, but you're only getting you know 
180 miles of range now or something strange, uh, then yeah, you definitely want to get Tesla service to check it out. It sounds like a BMS being out of whack. We've experienced I that. just took the words right out of my mouth because <laughs> I've been through this so many times now and it's right. the answer is always BMS. There's never anything wrong, especially Model 3. Yeah, yeah, the Model 3 battery packs are very bulletproof. They're, I mean, yeah. but you do, there is a cycle procedure if it's been sitting for a while or you, you're doing too many supercharges. Ian and I experienced that. We called Kyle yeah. when we had trouble. Sure enough, his little trick did the thing. You got to charge it all the way up, let it sit. Voltages need to be read by the BMS. If you just do a charge and you run it down, it doesn't have a chance. So you need to charge it up, let it rest, charge it all, you know, drive it all the way down, let it rest, charge it all back up again. Yeah, these are voltages. And and yeah. that's and, and it's this is something I see online all the time. People that don't operate their cars in percentage mode and rely on the range, which is the way the yeah. cars come from the factory, which I wish Tesla would stop doing. Yeah. It's the rated range that you're seeing there is based on what the battery management thinks based on the voltages and it's changing all the time. So one day you're going to charge and you get 310 miles. The next day you're going to 300. Your battery pack's not screwed. It's just the BMS that's out of whack. Please switch it to percentage, please. Stop, and, and one stop. thing you can do to mitigate this process throughout your ownership cycle is schedule your charging to start at least one hour after your drive. Like for example, mm -hmm. my I start my car charging at between three and five in the morning every day. And that lets it two things. One, settle down and figure out the bottom of the pack and then complete charging and wait there for a little bit. And also it's just better for the pack to sit lower. Lithium likes to be between, you know, 25 and 50%. For example, when they ship power walls, they're all shipped at 25% for a reason. That's when lithium's happy. They like to be low. But of course, if your car's at 1%, start that sucker charging. Don't mm. let it sit dead, dead, dead. <laughs> but you know, that's, that's yeah. the only- Zero, zero, baby. Always, always start your car at like, one or two in the morning to start charging, it will help your BMS stay healthy longer. Yeah. Uh, let's see here. I'm just trying to get my bearings here. Mm -mm -mm -mm. I think the next question was, Curtis, watching the epic road trip, it looked like your Model 3 went through a lot. Once you got home and inspected the car, was there any major body or mechanical issues that you had to repair or resolve? All right, uh, yeah, so they're they're uh, mechanically speaking, that car is rock solid. I just you know, this car is fifty seven thousand miles on it in a year. I do not daily drive wow. the car; it is purely a road tripper. So you know, eighty percent of that is supercharged. The uh, hell? So, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so this thing is a you know, it's a heavy use car. We use it either there or I bring it to the track, and we're drifting around and doing silly stuff with it. And it's been rock solid. I mean, they really build themselves a solid product here. The battery, uh, as best as I can tell, has only lost about 5% of capacity. And most of that was just early on, of course. I supercharged the car. We took it on a, a huge road trip when I first bought it. And uh, uh, heavy use when you first buy a, a, a new electric vehicle, that's when you're going to notice most yeah. of the degradation. Other than that, the only issue with the car that's like bad is the passenger seat controls we ripped off because we slammed the door on a hairbrush that was sitting there and it ripped that off. But that's the simple, I, that's actually happened twice on my last Model 3 and now on this one. And then uh, we cracked the windshield, but that was uh, just a rock chip. This just happens all the time. That was a it's pretty fine. big rock chip I saw. Yeah, you know, I wasn't even driving. I was I, I was in New York driving the Polestar 2, and I get back. I'm like, why has my windshield gone to crap? And Alyssa was like, oh, that's what that noise was. <laughs> <laughs> Oops. Oops. 
Yeah, my wife has one about that big, but it's been like that for, well, since the beginning of COVID. I haven't had a chance to get it fixed yet. And it hasn't spread, so we're okay at this point. It's just one of those filler jobs. All right, moving on here. Next question comes from Evan. He says, discuss the trash boosted acceleration, in quotes, uh, for all-wheel drive all-wheel drive long range it's uh part number uh the part number is the same as a p3d and costs more than the current p3 with 20s and track mode uh-oh somebody's upset well I, is that true though because i'm pretty sure a dual motor is uh x number of dollars plus two thousand dollars for their boost mode that's correct uh, i don't think that the performance is two thousand dollars but I no. think it's more than $2,000 more than a dual motor Model 3. Therefore, it's a good value. Would I ever recommend someone buy this on a dual motor? Probably not. I think your butt dyno calibrates so quickly to an electric car that you're going to feel it for like the first two days, and then you'll forget that you even bought it. Well, I know when yeah. I drive other Tesla Model 3s other than mine, I, I mean, if you drive it normally, you can't tell the difference. But when you punch it, well, of course, I'm used to what I have, right? So... Yeah, and you always you you just you're right. It, it, whatever it is, that becomes your normal. That's a good point, Kyle. So I, unless you're competing with the car or something, I don't know that it would necessarily matter. Yeah, I you know I, I used to have a, a P100D, and I was like, why is this thing so slow all the time? <laughs> and everyone was so, but you know, because you just calibrate to that yeah. car's best. Yeah, and then you're just always disappointed. So don't spend I, money getting a fast electric car. I, <laughs> I may very well be the outlier here. I I think I'm the outsider in this one is I think this is the most masculine, stupid thing that we ever do about cars, which is trying to launch it, get people to be sick. Oh my God, the wow videos. Like, I don't care. I Who <laughs> drives like that normally? Why like you, you have, on the show, If you're on you a track all the time, <laughs> it makes complete sense. But I know, but I mean, I'm not, I, I'm just not the guy because I mean, maybe because I get motion sickness all the time, but like, I'm not the guy who gets a thrill from someone who's at a dead stop. I got a traffic light trying to get on an on-ramp to a highway and they're like, watch this. And then the car just, so I guess, you no, know, going so at like, so I guess no rides for you like, in the roadster, no, right? I'm, I'm okay. It just... <laughs> you're you're going to get a boarding pass when we go in the roadster. If you're going to get a ride in the roadster, it's you're going to give me a casual a, a casual tour no, you're getting a barf town. Bag is That's what you're fine. Getting. I don't want to have to go from like zero to 60 in, you know, a tenth of a second. <laughs> Engage warp drive. This brings up a good point uh, that, that I think I want to ask you guys really quickly because, you know, Trevor, Ian, especially you guys, you're true car enthusiasts that happen to like electric cars like myself. And so, um, you know, a lot of people view uh, Tesla's acceleration things as a performance car because on paper, it's really fast, but it lacks the true tactile feel and feedback of a, you know, as a lightweight sports car, of a Miata, of a 911, of a Morgan. And so do you think that Tesla successfully uh, re-engineered or redesigned what people view as performance vehicles almost across the board because we've seen it even with Hellcats and everything, of course, not that they're doing this for Tesla, but it's all about acceleration numbers. I feel like we've lost the true essence of driving. Do you think this is going to go away? That's a, a, an excellent, excellent question. And it's one I, I ponder deeply because having owned a wide range of different performance cars over the years, including a Miata when, when they first came out, you know, the, the Gen 1. Um, yeah, it, I, it sort of 
gets on my nerves. And I mean, I love acceleration, you know, it just as much as any car guy or gal, but it, there is way too much emphasis on it to the detriment to the other, the other parts of it. Now, the one thing that blew me away the first time I drove uh, a model three was how nimble it was. And that's because, you know, I'd only piloted model S's before, you know, and leaf and a few, you know, a volt, whatever. So that was kind of like, Oh, Okay, this is more what I'm talking about, a well-balanced sports sedan, you know, that is nimble, you know, that that's, you know, 50-50 weight balance, like you can feel, you know, this car has Audi and BMW like reflexes in terms of how it moves so coherently, you know, and it's well-balanced. So that to me was like, okay, they get it, you know, and especially for such a young car company, it blew me away that they were able to build that in so early in, in the lifetime of the company. Um and yet, now that I've spent a lot of time with the car, I still feel the mass. You know, you're still dealing with a 4,000-pound car, you know, especially when you're chucking it around, you know, at track speeds. So, you know, that's one thing I'm, I'm looking forward to. As time goes on and, and battery energy density gets improved, you know, maybe we'll start getting back into the range of being able to see a two to 3,000-pound car that is capable of this type of performance. I look forward to that day because it's the only thing I think that we're, we're, we're kind of missing. I mean, there's the other elements. Of course, people will say, well, you know, you don't have the gear shift, the clutch, the interaction, all of that other tactile stuff, the sound, obviously. That doesn't bother me so much because you gain on the other side that instant response. You know, the fact that it feels like the pedal is connected to your spine, your, your synapses directly, you know. So there's, there's, there's a give and take with the way the car responds in other ways that is so much better than any ICE car that I can give up a lot of the other tactile input. But uh, I, the, the, my only regret now is, yeah, it's a, it's, they're still a little on the heavy side, but I think once we get the weight down, we can start talking about the total performance envelope in terms of handling and balance more like we did traditionally with sports ends and sports cars. But I think we're, we're still going there. You know, we're not there yet. I've, I've... Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, no question the Model 3 is a capable beast. I mean, we have ours on track. Almost nothing keeps up with it. Uh, so it, it is a really super fast car. Um, you know, I, I've used mine in track mode, play around with it a lot. It's really cool. The only thing it doesn't do for me is it doesn't give me the fizz. I don't know. I just don't get super excited. However, whenever, like, I feel like every electric car owner needs, like, a manual transmission, something fun for the weekends. But also, I try to tell internal combustion lovers, like, you got to experience this thing. I feel like you need right. to have both in your life at this point mm -hmm. because they're mm -hmm. so different and so cool in their own way. Yeah, my personal opinion yeah. about the Model Three, having did I did spend some time a couple of weeks ago with with the Taycan, and th the thing that I noticed with the Taycan uh, and driving it is that I immediately got the feel. This is a real thoroughbred like sports car first and foremost. It definitely had that feel, you know, the tight steering, the the suspension, the weight, just just the way it's put together. It definitely has that. Um, however, I missed my Model Three because, as Ian said it feels like a much more balanced, nimble car. And I've driven Model S's as well. That thing feels like a boat. I mean, it's a great car and all, but I would rather take a Model 3 any day because it feels much more like a go-kart. You're much more connected to the road in that sense. Um, it's not a true sports car and it's not a true economy car. It's like, it's a very well-balanced vehicle. And I think that's one of the reasons Tesla's done so damn well with the car because they, they, they got the right balance. Um, do I think there's other cars in the market that are going to do quite as well? Yeah, eventually, sure. Uh, once the other manufacturers come up, sure. Uh, it remains to be seen. Um, but 
Yeah, I don't know. I lost my train of thought. <laughs> yeah, they did such a good job. No, I totally agree. It it sort of ticks all the right boxes. It's so good in every category. You you can't ignore it. I mean, it's just I I think it's so cool. But I do remember it like it still just doesn't give me the fizz. But that's it. I I was just curious what you guys. Mm. Good points. Well, they do have more cars in the works, so we'll see what transpires with the other stuff. I mean, I'm curious to see how well they do a pickup truck. Um, yeah. I, my neighbor literally just bought a brand new Silverado and I took it for a drive. He, he took it, he, he brought it home. He says, check out my new pickup. And I'm like, all right, let's go for a ride. And, uh, I don't remember the last time I drove, I drove a pickup and um, I was like, okay, this is, this is a big car. Um, but I'm curious to see how well the Cybertruck does. That's going to be the ne next benchmark. I mean, we know Tesla can do sedans really well, but pickup truck market is not quite as forgiving. There's a lot of big enthusiasts in that market that are, um, if they don't do it right, they're going to trash it. Mm, not going to be pretty, but I have high hopes. I think Tesla's going to do a good job with that. Anyway. And was that Silverado like one of those crazy loaded out new ones with all no. like an $80,000? No, 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 no. This was a, no, this is a $40,000 bottom of the barrel, um, vehicle. I mean, it doesn't have carpets in it. It has rubber floor mats everywhere as a pickup truck should, you know? <laughs> Oh wow, real worky truck. Uh, work truck. Well, that's what it is. That's it's great. a work. That's yeah, great. it's exactly. And it and it drove decent enough, even though it was a V8. It was very gutless. So at least from that aspect, I'm I'm looking forward to the Cybertruck because we know how that's going to well. Um, I'm just curious to see how the other stuff's going to fit together. I mean, nobody's built a truck like Tesla's going to do it, so we'll see how well they pull that off. But I think it has uh, real potential in a lot of ways. So we'll see. And I'm sure the neighbor, had he not started his business right now, would have loved to have a Cybertruck for his business because he understands the value of the look of it to promote his business. There's a certain segment of people that are going to buy it for that, right? So we'll see. But uh, no, for now, he uh, he got himself a Silverado. And uh, anyways, it is what it is. So, all right. Last question. Is it even a question? Councilor Andreas says, um, not a question. Just want to say... Just want to say thank you to Trevor. Not even a question. For, for nice comment. That's <laughs> a good question. Yeah, it's a comment from Andreas. That's not a question. Just want to say thank you for hyping me up over the last few years, making the wait for my Model 3 feel shorter, going to take delivery my Model 3 on September 21st at the Lawrence location in North York after waiting and planning for almost five years. Well, Andreas, um, you're welcome, I guess. <laughs> uh, congratulations. Welcome to the family. You're going to love the car. <laughs> Just, um, yeah. Enjoy the vehicle. Um, he he says he wants to go for a drink sometime, so I might hit him up for that. We'll see. So, yeah, that's pretty much it. Um, I want to say thank you for Kyle for joining on the show. Um, Kyle, if people want to reach out to you, where can they do that? Uh, that's a good question. Uh, I guess you can just uh, find me on Twitter. At out of spec is probably the best. Yep. Subscribe to his YouTube channel. There'll be a link in the video description. Um, Eric, where can people find you if they want to have a chat with you? Most importantly, one, uh, as I mentioned before in the show, if you're in an area currently experiencing the wildfires, uh, oh. I, I hope we all do that you are safe and sound, that your loved ones are safe, your families are safe, your coworkers or neighbors. Uh, just again, this is the worst case scenario we're dealing with right now, and it's climate change is here, it's happening. Uh, we're a show focused on env the environment in large part because of electric vehicles, but we certainly uh, wish everyone out there, um, uh, to do safe. Um, and uh, with an upcoming election, make sure you're registered to vote. Please do that. Uh, make sure you're registered. If you can vote by mail, do that. If you must vote in person, find out how you can do that safely, especially if you can do it early in your area. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at the handle ECFIX. That's E-C-F-I-X. 
and thank you for tuning in. Last but not least, Ian Pavelko. Well, you can find me on Twitter at Ian Pavelko. You can also find me Tesla Owners Online Forum. The handle is Matt Hungarian, although I will apologize to all of the people there who um, normally chime in with questions and things. I've been very derelict in my duties because I've been on vacation and I've got all sorts of home projects going on. And just as I'm finishing up my home project, we're starting on a new Model 3 project. Magneto's going to get some work and uh, a certain Mr. Page from Toronto might be coming down to help with that. So keep an eye on that Twitter account for for mayhem that will soon ensue. Yes. Um, you can also check out my line of Evolveware. Go to Teespring, T-E-E-Spring, all one word, dot com, and check out Matt Hungarian's Evolveware store where you can uh, find uh, some cool Teslaware. Excellent. Links for all of that stuff will be in the video and the podcast description so you guys can check out all that stuff. I guess that leaves me. You can find me on Twitter. Handles Tesla Owners Online. Check out the forum, teslaownersonline.com. And if you're on the YouTube channel or you're listening to the podcast and you want to check out the video version, go to YouTube, search for Tesla Owners Online. Don't forget to subscribe and click the notifications bell so you know when we drop a damn new video. And that's it for today. Yeah. Thanks for watching, everybody. And we'll see you next time. And by the way, videos are getting real nice. See oh, you guys. Appreciate it. Thanks. Bonsoir tout le monde. Hasta la pasta. No, it's hasta la pizza. Hasta la pizza.